Hello, and thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Nick Higgins, the Director of Outreach Services for the Brooklyn Public Library in Brooklyn, New York. He oversees a range of services for immigrants, older adults, people experiencing homelessness, and individuals and families impacted by the criminal justice system. Nick is also the author of the latest book in the PLA Quick Read series, Get Inside, Responsible Jail and Prison Library Service. Welcome, Nick. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you start working in library services to incarcerated persons? I got into libraries in 2006. I started out as a trainee at the Brooklyn Public Library, and the the program was supported by the by IMLS, and it allowed me to rotate around to different neighborhood branch libraries in Brooklyn, of which we have 60 in in Brooklyn, and uh, just to work the front lines in, in library services there. And I realized fairly quickly that in Brooklyn we have every neighborhood is different. In fact, like almost every, from street to street, the the identity of uh, of the streets are different even, and um, and and people who live in in the neighborhoods where I was working were were very fiercely loyal to the identity of their neighborhoods. They came to the library with different needs, vastly different needs. And as a new librarian, this is very exciting because your role um, would change depending on who was walking into the branch at whatever time they're walking in. And um, it just made me realize that the profession was just really exciting and and dynamic, and I had to learn new things almost every day. Um, I learned pretty quickly, too, that there were some neighborhoods in Brooklyn that were adversely affected by things like incarceration. So you had a handful of neighborhoods who, it turns out, were supplying a large um, uh, proportion of um, people who were incarcerated in places like Rikers Island and then also, by extension, uh, our state prisons in New York State. Um, it wasn't equally distributed throughout the borough nor throughout the city of New York. And I just started to think about ways that the public library could support not only the people who were incarcerated but their families who were uh, left behind and, and certainly the communities that were also impacted um, by incarceration. I did meet someone who eventually became my mentor, James Huffman, who was working at the New York Public Library. And he oversaw the jail and prison program um, over at, at the New York Public Library, and we became friends. And he allowed me to volunteer my time with him and his team, um, who back then they were um, they would go to Rikers Island, they would push around book carts in different jails, and uh, I would spend time with him and get to know the process and um, and what he was doing. And it appealed to me because I thought that the mission of the public library was essentially being served every time we stepped foot on the island because we were entering into a system that was quite hostile to access to information and every door that we got opened, every person that we were able to see and trade a book with represented some sort of success and uh, uh, just in terms of of really living out the, the mission of the public library. And as you point out in the book, the American criminal justice system incarcerates a lot of people. Can you talk a little bit about this issue? We do incarcerate a lot of people uh, by far more than any other country in the world. So we incarcerate at last count between 2.2 and 2.3 million people in this country in our city jails and our state and federal prisons. Um, you add to that, there are 4.7 million people who are on supervised uh, release, so probation or parole. So you're talking um, up to about 7 million people that are 
but are really impacted by the justice system on a daily basis. As you point out in the book, the system overwhelmingly prefers to incarcerate some populations over others. Nationally, African-Americans, are, they're jailed at almost four times the rate of white Americans. Um, and despite making up only about 13% of the United States population, African-Americans account for about 36% of the, of the jail population. So um, the Vera Institute of Justice actually released a study where they looked at locally here at Rikers Island, um, the disparities of, uh, of these incarceration rates are even, even, even starker. For us here in the city, black New Yorkers are jailed at nearly 12 times the rate as whites, and uh, Latinos more than five times the rate of, of, of white New Yorkers. It indicates to me a, um, the system that uh, is either um, unintentionally biased toward one population or the other, or intentionally biased toward one, uh, one population or the other. It's really something you can't deny that there isn't a, uh, a bias there in the system that um, impacts one population over another. In the book, you emphasize that how we talk about this work and how we talk about incarcerated persons and jails and prisons matters. Why is it so important? A public library uh, spouses values of inclusion and access uh, and diversity. These are certainly values that any correctional system in, in the United States doesn't espouse. Um, so there, it's different. So when we walk into a jail, um, we shouldn't adopt the institutional language of uh, prisoner or inmate or words like that because those tags, that, that language uh, is very intentional. It intentionally uh, creates a very significant power dynamic between a uh, the person who's being punished and the punisher. And uh, it's not a relationship that we would like to enter into as a public library going into that space. The consequences of um, uh, policies that uh, lead to mass incarceration, like mandatory minimum sentencing, three strikes you're outlaws, policing tactics like uh, stop and frisk, um, really radical policing and, and criminal justice policies that affect whole populations in our cities and, and our towns across the country. What is it really like working inside of a jail or a prison? The work that we do here in New York City, our jail system is notoriously chaotic, I would say. It's a large complex of jails, uh, most of which sit on an island uh, out by Queens um, and LaGuardia Airport. Uh, it is an environment that is very noisy once you're inside a jail. Um, a lot of long hallways, a lot of industrial smells and, uh, and colors, um, a lot of um, pantomimed regiment, regimented uh, sort of order, so a lot of people in lines walking up and down uh, hallways. It's an institutional feel to it. Working inside the prison is really, you know, it's really our job. We go into the, uh, we go into the jails and we see the people that we, uh, that we serve uh, with library services. So it's, uh, it's an unnatural environment. It's a, it's a highly regimented and structured environment. But there are people who are, who are living there that, uh, that we'd like to serve um, and, uh, and try to, the best we can, model a, or demonstrate sort of like the way things should be for people. So we go to people, we ask them what they like to read. Sometimes it's uh, maybe the first time all week that anyone has ever uh, taken the time to ask them uh, what they think about anything. So we we take great pride in bringing a, a sense of civility and humanity into a place that's anything but. What are your tips for navigating the bureaucracy 
or maintaining good relationships with staff? So you have to have a lot of patience and you have to um, feel like that every roadblock that you encounter isn't going to be the last one, nor is it going to be the one that breaks you. I think you really need to have a, a sense of persistence, a sense of patience, and not to let things get under your skin. Um, we walk into a jail or a prison and uh, we're a public library, so again, we espouse vastly different values than uh, the jail or prison. The jail and prison is there for the safety and security of the people who are incarcerated there and uh, and their staff. Library services or educational services are very far down the list on their priorities. So we understand that when we walk into the jail, uh, we understand that we're going to get a lot of pushback, a lot of no, um, and we treat it just like any other environment. We we can only have the doors opened if we have good relationships with people. So we like to say hello to everyone that we meet. So we're very respectful of people. We understand where people are coming from or try to at least. If someone says no to us at one door, we go to a, a different door and ask them. Um, it's really a matter of being flexible, um, not letting things get under your skin and not accepting no as the final answer. Our staff here, we're very careful with people. We, um, we understand that it's a really stressful environment. And if people need to take a week off from doing the work, we pull them out of the jail. And we're very, uh, very explicit uh, with, our, with our staff members and volunteers in particular that if it gets too heavy or if it gets too much, then they really need to, uh, they really need to take care of themselves by pulling out. And we can take it. I mean, we can, we can, we can cover for them. Um, what really helps, quite frankly, is just finding other people who are doing similar work and being able to, um, being able to talk with people about it, and hopefully letting some of the stuff that you see there uh, sort of let that go a little bit. What is the best way to build a collection for this population? The best way to build a collection for for people who are in jail or, or prison is like the best way to build a uh, collection anywhere in any small library is you really ask people what they uh, what they would like to read and you try to find it for them. Uh, we do try to reflect our collections at the jail. We try to um, have them reflect what people can find in our community libraries. So we like to develop our collection as diverse as possible. We like to collect in multiple languages, multiple formats, large print for older adults, um, who, and people who have um, vision impairments, high-low readers for people who might not be reading at level but uh, want to read about adult themes. We collect a lot of comic books for people, um, particularly people who like to trace comics and the characters in the comic books that they see on paper. Uh, a lot of poetry, really anything that you find in your community library is generally speaking what people like to read uh, when they're incarcerated. We try to do the best we can by getting people what they like to read and offering as diverse a collection as we possibly can, um, sometimes limited by the size of our cart or, or the space that we're allowed to uh, inhabit at the jail. Uh, with our books and our bookcases. As far as materials challenges or other forms of censorship, what you might encounter and how you should handle it? We enjoy a very hands-off collection interference with the administration at the jails and prisons. They don't really... I, I, we built a relationship both over the years, and they, I think they trust us to bring in the stuff that... Um, that people really like to read and they simply don't want to get involved in collection development and we're happy about that. We do from time to time get challenges on our cart as we're walking through housing areas from an individual officer but you know those those we typically um, you know deal with by just having a conversation with the person who objects to a title that could be a physics book uh, and there could be a question or a science book or a chemistry book or um, there could be a, a book that has a cover that's um, 
you know, that depicts, you know, there's some sort of like guns or violence or, or whatever depicted on the cover, and there's some, some objective, objective that's raised. Uh, what we generally talk about is just having as much access to uh, all kinds of material on our cart, and that the variety is really the thing that um, uh, that's important here in the library. If it does come down to a an officer who is really hung up on a particular title that uh, he or she doesn't want to see on the cart, oftentimes we'll just pull it, the copy of the book off. You know, we'll put it back on the cart. You know, later on down the road. But we don't really engage in conversations or official conversations with jail administration about the books that we that we bring into the facility. If that ever does happen, I would recommend setting it up like other uh, correctional libraries have have done um, across the country and have some sort of committee that's made up of library staff, educators, other community-based organizations who have a stake uh, in this matter, plus jail officials, and have time, um, have, a, have a set amount of time to sit down and really debate what material is appropriate for the population and have a forum to uh, argue for or against uh, particular material. What is your advice on managing book loss? Try to have a system in place that you have a steady stream of books coming into your collection. Whether that means you have a budget, if it's a budget, um, that's great. Oftentimes with these small libraries, you don't have a budget. So having something set up in the community, you will have some, some loss of your collection. Um, but to mitigate that, it would be wise to have a system in place of community support, people who are donating books on a regular basis to your apartment or to your, to your collections who are looking out for you. Um, a good way to mitigate loss, too, is just to get to know your patrons, like making sure that you're there every day, that you're consistent. Consistency really Really, really pays off, I think, in, in addressing book loss. People understand there's a, a shared responsibility for the resources, just like there's a shared responsibility for the resources that are available in the public library. You let people know if they don't bring a book back and they're you know, apologetic. Lots of things can happen in jail. Um, you know, things get lost, things get thrown away things get destroyed, be completely understanding, um, try not to be punitive. You don't want people to associate the library with anything institutional or, or punitive at all um, with the jail. So if somebody does lose a book, um, oftentimes, more often than not, people will offer to donate another book of theirs uh, personally to the collection as sort of like a, um, you know, a replacement. Even if the book isn't all that great, is a gesture that should be uh, should be accepted and thanked. So I think all of this is really about building relationships, and if you if you do that on a consistent basis, that goes a long way in addressing book loss. Brooklyn Public Libraries offers a Daddy and Me program and the Tell a Story program. Can you tell us a little bit about those? The Daddy and Me program is something that we started when uh, when I was over at the New York Public Library several years ago, and the New York Public Library, who has a jail program, also runs uh, runs a service. So what this is is an early literacy program for for parents who are incarcerated. The idea is to get together uh, with a group of 10 to 15 um, moms or dads who are incarcerated and talk about what their children are learning about reading and writing before they they know how to to read and write. So this is all early literacy, talking about print awareness and print motivation, phonological awareness, all of that, but uh, looking at simple ways that people can practice reading to their children, singing songs with their children, really being involved with their children through liter- through the simple act of literacy. And what happens is after about three or four sessions, we bring in audio recorders and a bunch of children's books, and the parents will avail themselves of an opportunity to re- record themselves reading uh, their favorite books to their children. And, and on the fifth day, we invite all the families into the jail 
and we have a big party, a celebration, where um, a lot of the men or women who participate in the program will um, read books with their kids. Um, they'll read uh, books like a regular library story time to the rest of the, the assembled guests at the, at the family day, as we call it, this big party. And the children and the families receive the recordings from the library and the brand new books that they, they can take home. Is there any last advice you'd want to share with our listeners? Again, if you're trying to start up a jail library program from the public library, it's really important to know that you're not going to be able to get in right away and that um, it's really patience and a lot of persistence that are really helpful in that. Um, really getting to know who's already working in the jail and trying to figure out like how to perhaps ride the coattails of other organizations into the jail, understand what's been done before, if there are other libraries who already have a relationship with the jailer or the prison really helps, um, and to develop those relationships with the, the jail officials and other community partners in order to get in. It's really, 90% of the work is really developing the relationships so people just open up the door for you. Uh, and the rest of it really falls into place after that. Thanks again to our guest today, Nicholas Higgins, author of the latest book in the PLA Quick Read series, Get Inside Responsible Jail and Prison Library Service. You can see more about the book at www.publicliberiesonline.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.